0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. My name is Ben Standing, and yes, I do cover the Washington football team for The Athletic. Excited to be back with you guys here on the podcast. Uh, Today was day seven of the Washington football team training camp. Thought I would get back in here, chat you guys up a little bit. I asked for some Twitter questions earlier today. Gonna run through some of those. In addition to that, I had a... Fun chat with uh, Lindsey Jones, one of our senior national writers for the Athletic. Lindsay is in the Denver area. She's based. She's currently in Florida, covering, uh, helping cover some of those teams. And we talked a lot about the NFC East. We talked about the Denver Broncos because I think that game against the Broncos is one of the most pivotal on the schedule when you look at Washington's overall season. I'll explain. That and we discussed the gap between Ron Rivera and any other coach in the NFC East. And if it's larger than the gap between whoever you think might be the best coach in any division and any other coach. I think it's an interesting discussion. It doesn't mean anything about Washington winning the Super Bowl. But maybe it says perhaps suggests something about Washington's status this year in the NFC East. So anyway, we got that and a bunch more to get through. With Lindsay and I made mention the Wizards here uh, as well because they just a little bit ago made a uh, big move to get Spencer Dinwiddie. That is done. Um, I was on Fred Katz's Wizards After Dark podcast at length, so you can check that out whenever that comes up as well. Uh, Of course, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Ben Standick. Uh, Lindsay is at by Lindsay H. Jones. You can subscribe to this podcast iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you do your podcasting, Um, uh, you know, all all that good stuff. And make sure, of course, you subscribe to The Athletic. Uh, I've been writing a bunch since training camp started. Today, I've got a story up, kind of a recap of the day, but with an emphasis on Cam Curl. It's funny how a year ago, we're asking, who is this guy? And now we're asking, wow, Cam Curl, where is this guy? Because he is going to play in a lot of different spots. For this team, And it's interesting to kind of look at his growth. And I ex- kind of got into what else happened today at camp. Yesterday I did a whole big profile on all of 12 receivers who are part of Washington's uh, training camp. And I would say at least 11 of those guys have some kind of chance to make the team. But can't keep them all. So uh, hopefully you guys will check that out as long as everything else on the pod uh, all over on The Athletic. And right now it's still a limited time offer. You can subscribe to The Athletic. For fifty percent off, just make sure you click on one of my articles and do it that way. That helps out my world. Um, what else can I tell you guys? Um, so I guess we can just get into this. I, I, I'll, you know, I'm sure as I go along through here and answering some of these questions, I'll, I'll sort of veer off into some other things that caught my eye um, at, at, at camp. But I thought, you know, rather than sort of staying in my own head, that I would get to some of you guys. And, and, and hear what you want to know or what what's it what's on your mind. So um we're gonna do that right uh right now we can just jump into this. Um at <coughs> how do I say this at HA Song's rim fascinating some of these Twitter handles. Who knows what they all mean. Anyway, uh question any of the backup running backs behind Antonio Gibson standing out so far? Well, obviously you probably don't mean JD McKissick, who looks similar, just like the guy we saw last year. Pass catching, speed threat, quick all over the place, you know, really good hands. Um I don't know if I've seen him running a ton so far in camp, to be super honest, but obviously, you know, he's a he's a the passing down threat. I do think Gibson's gonna get a lot more work in the passing game as well, but McKissick is certainly a viable threat there. Uh, as, as well. But the real question I assume here is sort of the other running backs on the roster, right? You've got Peyton Barber, who was the third running back last year, was a was a short yardage specialist and did well in that role. But, you know, I, I don't I, – I, his yards per carry average continues to drop. And I don't – you know, anytime he's been given the opportunity to run beyond just third and one, not a ton happens. But, okay, he slimmed down. He's had some good moments in camp. Uh, there's obviously Jared Patterson, right, the undrafted free agent out of the University of Buffalo, Patterson has been, um, you know, he's a super fun player. He's got some local ties, and he's look, he's 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 looked good at times. He's broken off some runs, you know. He, even though he's like super duper short, he's got a a, a, a thick build. He can I won't say run over people, but he can break tackles. He can make some moves. He's very interesting. He's also was an undrafted free agent for a reason, whether it was the size or whatever. So, um, you know, I, I think he's done. I think, he's shown, I think he's shown, though, and I think he will be a fun guy to watch in a preseason game, as we all kind of thought. Uh, Lamar Miller, you know, the, this team has two players with at least 10 years' experience on the roster. One of them is, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick. The other one is Lamar Miller, and obviously 10 years is a long way to go for a running back, and this one's been injured the last couple of years. But Lamar Miller, somebody who has been a leading runner for a team. He made a Pro Bowl um, back in the day. I, I'm not suggesting that um, Lamar Miller is you know he he found the fountain of youth but i i think he's he's looked alright at times i think he's had he's shown some good things um and then there's Jonathan Williams who's a guy that you know he's sort of had some uh there's always been some buzz around him um he was he was up and down with this team last year um you know so he's there as as well um uh, if you're not this wasn't part of the question but i'll sort of extrapolate it out like court of like who do i think will be the third running back i, I think the answer is basically do they value Peyton Barber's short yardage work more than their concern about what happens if Antonio Gibson misses any time? Um, I think it's a reasonable question. I don't necessarily know the answer to it, but I think it's an interesting question. If the answer is the short yardage, then I think Peyton Barber is going to be your guy. If it's the other, I don't know. I think Lamar Miller, to me, has shown some some some, some good things. And like I said, Jared Patterson is interesting. I just think that with Patterson, you can probably feel comfortable sneaking him onto the practice squad. Again, he was undrafted for agent 10 seconds ago. The draft wasn't that long ago. So logically, why would anybody pick him up to then put him on their 53 man roster when you didn't even draft him? Um, although, you know, they will see the tape. They they will watch him in preseason. So there's that, but I think he's good enough to be at least asked the question. Um, I would lean part. I would guess Barber at this point, but you know, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion. I think Miller is interesting. I'm not discounting Jonathan Williams. I just don't have as good of a feel for him. So Keep that for, keep that for what it's worth. Um, at mmbeast beast four asked out of these three, who would be the most likely wide receiver to be kept if they kept seven? The, 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 and the ones here are Steven Sims, Dax Milne, or Deandre Carter. Interesting question because, uh, and it is something I addressed to a degree in the article that's up on the athletic from yesterday. Um, the, if we're keeping six, my six right now would be Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, uh, De'Ami Brown, Adam Humphreys, Cam Sims. I, I feel pretty good with those with those five, barring the unforeseen, although I've, I've made the point of Humphreys as a surprise cut. But that's because if you're going to name somebody who's a surprise cut, it's got to be a surprise. But, I mean, I think those five guys are I feel pretty good about them being on the roster. Um, the interesting battle among the, the non McLaurin and Samuel guys is who ends up being the third receiver. In any event, uh, Antonio Gandy-Golden for me would be the sixth. They just drafted him in the fourth round last year. And, you know, he, I think he's a good in camp. He's got really good size. So I would imagine he he's that guy. And you also have Kelvin Harmon uh, as well. But, okay, that's not the question. The question is, of these three, who would I keep? Now, you, you name Sims, Milne, and Carter. All three of these players are in the return game mix, um, along with Isaiah Wright and Danny Johnson, at least on kicks. And that has to be, if they're going to keep seven, it's going to have to be, I would imagine, because they want to keep a returner. And uh, and and that's how it would go. Um, one suggestion I made in the article I wrote is, here's the solution, just don't do it. Don't keep a returner. Cut whoever you want to cut. Put them on the, whoever clears waivers, put them on the practice squad. The first two weeks of the year, you can bring somebody up uh, without, without losing them. And, you know, by that point, you probably have a roster opening one way or the other, anyway, and you can just add him to the roster at that point. But in any event, let me answer the actual question and stop stop stalling. Steven Sims, Milne, or Carter? Well, <clears throat> I I look. I think Dax Milne has been interesting. He had a, he had a, a several catches today in practice, but you know I I don't know. We haven't you know we just haven't seen a lot from the return game. Feels like he would be behind Sims and Carter in that front. And again, he was a seventh round pick. I would imagine you could sneak him on. To the practice squad, so that leaves Sims and Carter. I think Stephen Sims to me has looked pretty good in camp, uh, particularly as a receiver. Again, where we we don't you know we see guys catching punts, but there's you know it's not like a full full force a uh, 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 return game effort so far in camp. We'll obviously get a better view of this when in the preseason. Um, DeAndre Carter has, has some people have been impressed with him though as well as a receiver, and you know he's he you know he he's been known more. As a returner, you know Steven Sims last year really didn't do a ton as a punt returner. He was better as a kick returner as a rookie, um, and that's important too. But the punt return game is important. I, I don't know. I, I might be wrong on this. I guess I would stay say Steven Sims, but I would suspect others who are covering the team might go Carter not saying that's the wrong call at all, but maybe it's just I'm more familiar with Sims and I've just been impressed with what he's been doing versus Carter is a bit of an unknown for me. I'm getting to know him a little bit more, of course. Um, so I'll go Sims over Carter, but a tight one if then this is if they keep seven, which we'll see. I, I have them not, but that doesn't mean it won't be that way by the time we have to actually pick um a roster. Uh at Jmon twenty six asks What's up with Sadiq Charles? With Leno, Lucas, and Cosme, is he our backup guard? I think what we've seen in practice is he's been all over the place. And, look, uh, Ron Rivera and John, and offensive line coach John Masco, they like players that can play multiple spots on the line. So the fact that Charles can do that is not a knock, not a bad thing at all. Um, he has played, you know, when Cornelius Lucas was out, with uh, On the COVID list, Charles was getting some work at tackle. Now Brandon Scherf is out. Um, he's gotten some work at guard. He has been kind of all over the place. And I think, um, you know, I think that's probably what his role is right now. I think he's got a chance to sort of be everywhere. I mean, look, when Scherf is back, you have Scherf and Schweitzer presumably as the starters with Eric Flowers. Like, he's going to be the main backup guard. So... I, I think with Sadiq Charles, the question is just simply what do the what does Washington want him to be ultimately? Because next year, you've got um, Charles Leno is on, a, is on a one-year contract. We've talked a bunch about why it seems unlikely Brandon Scherf is back, even though he's saying he wants to stay here long-term. They still haven't got a long-term contract deal signed ever. Um, does Is Sadiq Charles in the mix to possibly be one of the starting tackles like next year, I mean, Sam Cosme might move to the left side, if that works out, to replace Leno, if they, if he doesn't come back, but then you might need a right guard, and if Sheriff doesn't come back, then who are you putting in at, at right guard? So, I, I just think with Charles, I, I don't necessarily know for this season, he's, the, he's not the definitive backup guard or tackle, they have other people, but I think the real question for me is, what is he long-term, and that's part of the game that we're all going to have to sort of see and watch and figure out as best we can. Um... You know, we'll, uh, we'll have to see um, about that. Um, Brayden, i uh, sorry, at Star Brazy asks, assuming Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel are both healthy going into next season, who do you think ends up being wide receiver three? I got into a little bit, a little bit about this on the, um, in the article that I did yesterday, so I won't step on it too much. Uh, my basic pivot point is where is Curtis Samuel? is Curtis Samuel lining up primarily outside or is he going to play a lot in a slot like he did last year in Carolina with a different coaching staff? Um, I'm going to guess he's outside, but if he does play a decent amount in the slot or the lineup, in the backfield that changes the variable inside more than less Humphreys outside, more less Cam Sims and probably to a degree less De'Ami Brown, who by the way, had a probably his best play of camp today, like a 40 ish yard catch down the field. So, um, I, I'm not trying to cop this out, a uh, cop out because I just need to see Samuel. He hasn't practiced yet. He's on the COVID list. He's, he's had a groin injury. Tell me, let me see him play. And then I'll give you a better answer. Um, for that. Speaking of Deami Brown at rutliff three, eight, one asks, I know it's early, but anything standing out, standing out about Deami Brown so far, similar to Terry McLaurin's rookie year that makes you think he'll contribute early. Um, I would say the answer to that is no, which is not a knock on Brown. It's to say that McLaurin was like a bolt of lightning with how, I mean, because we were talking about he's going to be a primary contributor on special teams, and it was pretty obvious pretty quick that there was something else going on here. Um, We've talked about his maturity a bunch, but he also had just, you know, it wasn't just even the speed, but the route running. He just came across as like a professional, even as a rookie, and um, you could tell pretty quickly he was going to be something interesting. Now, Brown's looked has done some good things as well. Let me not pretend that he hasn't. I'm just saying I haven't seen the. It hasn't been as like wow as as it was with McLaurin. So I would say that would be um, that that would be the difference for me. But at the same time, not not a knock on Deami Brown at all. All right, um, how, uh, so let me get back to the questions here. Um, I'll talk about the ad situation in a later podcast. Hang in there with me for now, and I'll explain what's going on. But it's a good thing, I, I promise. At least for your boy it is. <laughs> uh, at um, skins, HTTR, and AEW, don't know what that means. Hope I didn't get myself in trouble just there. Um, how have the de- the defensive ends behind Young and Sweat looked? Um, look good. I I mean, look, uh, you know, there's no Ryan Kerrigan there, right? We're dealing with first and second year players. You got Shaka Tony, William Bradley King, James Smith Williams, Casey Tuhill. Everybody I just mentioned has played no more than one year or no years in the NFL. Um, I think William Bradley King to me is is the one that has probably stood out the most, but interestingly today, we talked to Ron Rivera about James Smith Williams, and he just said, flat out, he expects him to be in the rotation this year. And he didn't, Definitively say he's the he's the third guy, but he kind of suggested he might be uh, with Ryan Kerrigan gone, um, and that was interesting. Uh, he's not really, I would say, a classic edge rusher by any stretch. He can play inside as well, but you know they, yeah, you, know, you need you just need the most productive pieces, and and, and you know perhaps he's the more all around threat uh, there as well. He had I mentioned on a previous show that he had uh, sh- surgery on his shin during. Um, during the off season, the, you know it was in some discomfort last year, so perhaps that will help for sure. Um, I think the real question for me is going to be who are they keeping if they only keep eight defensive linemen, and you have Matt Ioannidis and Tim Settle as two of them. Who else stays? I, presumably, that would mean only two of these four that I mentioned. And you know, if James Smith Williams in the rotation, I guess you feel good about him and and um, Bradley, William Bradley King to me would be the other one. But I think Tony is I would not discounting him and or or, or hill So that's going to be really interesting um, for sure. Uh, last Wizards question here. I'll get to uh, at Alan Lapore asked is, is, uh, uh, is Hemingway currently in control of his destiny to be on the 53 man roster when camp breaks? Um, I would say no. Um, the two tight ends that are making this team. We know Logan Thomas and rookie John Bates after that. Like I would say, Hemingway is certainly one of the guys in contention. I think Ricky Seals Jones is probably in contention. Um, Samus Reyes, who I should, who I'll say, um, didn't practice today because of that tw- knee tweak he suffered yet uh, on a Tuesday. Um, you know, I never really counted him so far as being a, a likely candidate just because of the inexperience, unless he just balled out and we haven't necessarily seen that. Um, I don't. I wouldn't say Hemingway is a lock or he controls his own destiny. I would probably say he would be my third guy right now, but. I you know, I don't want to say he's a dime or dozen, but I just don't think he's like such a guy that he's like, you know, he he's safe. There's there's lots of guys in this team who are safe. I wouldn't say he is one of those um he is one of those guys. Um one, one I guess I'll I'll top in one more here. At MTH underscore PG underscore eight oh four, what kind of work are you seeing Montez get as in hybrid works? So I'm meaning Steven Montez. Yeah, I mean, I wrote the story a few months ago about that Steven Montez, they were going to consider him in some sort of a taste in him, hill role. We really haven't seen that at all. He has been working with the special team, uh, special teams uh, players a bit here and there, which is at least a sign that, hey, if we use him, we, we're going to have to figure out a way to, to, to maximize what he is and, and using him in special teams would be that kind of play. But we haven't seen him in any type of you know, receiver, tight end role, and maybe they're not going to show us that in front of us. And also, he's probably not going to make the team. Um the fact that Kyle Allen has been out the last few days um, doesn't help in the sense that they need him to play quarterback to be the third guy to get those reps, and he's been doing that. Um, so I, I, I'm I, not counting on Steven Montez to make the team, but we really haven't even seen him doing anything uh, you know, offensively other than play quarterback, but the special teams work is notable. You don't see a lot of quarterbacks ever on special teams. Speaking of Kyle Allen, he is expected back any day according to ron rivera but he's missed three in a row with this uh ankle tweak of the of the ankle he had he had surgically repaired um last year uh so we'll see how that goes and the real question of course is can he challenge taylor heineke for the number two job i think he was giving moving in that direction prior to prior to the injury but you know we'll see he's got to get back out there um Just quickly on the Wizards. Again, I talked about this at length with Fred. We talked for like an hour. It was a really good podcast, I thought, so I won't get into it too much. Um, At Red Hokies, Ken asks, Loving the Wiz moves. Does this make them playoff ready, and how do we grade Tommy Shepard? Talked about this with Fred a bit. I just think that I I think a lot of what Tommy Shepard has done has been excellent work considering the parameters he's needing to work with. That includes whatever the direction is from the ownership um, an ownership that seemingly is is focused on this team making the playoffs over um over like, truly going for a title um I think he, I think Tommy Shepherd's done a really good job I think he's maximized as best he could all these different scenarios um that and you know does that make them playoff ready well look they were in the playoffs this year I mean you could make the argument they'll be a little bit worse in the regular season but they've got a lot more depth worse because Westbrook is the best player you know, was you know arguably the best player on the team the last thirty games. Um, But they sure they can make the playoffs. But I think their upside is probably like the sixth seed. And if you look at the East, you know there's probably seven teams you could argue are ahead of them. So you know things happen, injuries happen, whatever. But you know then even beyond the top seven, there's another three or four that are right where they are. So you know I wouldn't say that they're a playoff lock. I wouldn't say they're a lock to get the top eight, but I think they're they're in that mix for sure. And you know, it just takes a breakout season from Arui Hachimura to turn it to turn the upside a bit higher, and we'll see where Spencer Dinwiddie is now that they acquired him. He's coming off an injury, but um, nonetheless, um, he is um, a good player. And uh, you know, I, I I like what the Wizards have done broadly, but that's the same point I question to some degree why they didn't move Bradley Beal and look to start over. You don't want to be in the middle; you want to be going forward, or you want to be in the bottom. They're somewhere in the middle right now. That's not a great place to be, but they could still make the playoffs. But again, go check out the Wizards After Dark podcast with Fred for that. Um, all right, enough of that. I'll get to maybe some more mailbag questions later on. Appreciate everybody for sending those out. If you want to hit me up on Twitter or ever, hit me up at Ben Standing. But let's get to it now. My conversation with the athletics senior and a, a national writer, Lindsey Jones. Fun conversation. I think you guys are really going to like this. Let's get to it on the Standard Groom Only podcast. All right, as promised, joining me here on the podcast to talk about a little Washington, a lot of NFC East, and whatever else random NFL topics we want to get into is one of our senior NFL writers. She is the great Lindsay Jones coming with us from a hotel room somewhere in the great state of Florida. Does that sound about right? I mean,
1: yes, I'm definitely in a hotel in Florida. Um, I don't know if I'd use the word great right now this is like the covet hotbed of america and i am <laughs> not leaving the four walls of this hotel room uh as, as, as i'm leaving as little as i can
0: so you, you are but, you are i say somewhere but technically you are in uh jacksonville and i've been re- re-watching the good place a bunch lately and the, yeah. the blake bortles i'm in a heavy spot with the blake bortles jacksonville references and every time i watch it it's amazing especially knowing that <laughs> it hasn't gotten a lot better lately but but hey um you do, you do uh you, you know maybe there's some optimism right Trevor Lawrence uh, Urban Meyer
1: Yeah I mean there's definitely optimism about Trevor Lawrence and like look I mean he he's legit man I mean he was the generational prospect number 1 overall pick for a reason I mean he looks the part he acts the part he can really sling it um he threw a couple of really nice passes today in training camp I mean I think they're, they're Their offense could actually be kind of fun to watch. I think their offensive line might actually be pretty good. Um, They've got some nice skill position players. I don't know how deep they are. I don't think their defense is going to be that good. Um, We all, none of us know if the Urban Meyer experience, experiment, whatever we want to call it is going to work in the NFL. But, you know, I think there there's reasons for optimism here. And there hasn't been, there hasn't been that (laughs) in a couple of years, at least.
0: The it's interesting because. Obviously, you know, for any team, if you don't have a quarterback, it's kind of you don't have a chance. And Washington hasn't really had much of a quarterback, you know, I guess if you want to say since Kirk Cousins and even then, it wasn't like Kirk Cousins was some, you know, dynamic uh, quarterback. And now they're kind of almost going the opposite way. They're like, okay, screw it. We randomly won this division last year, so we fell out of the getting the quarterbacks. They didn't want to trade up, but they're building through this defense. They have this defensive line with four first-round picks, and Ron Rivera has more or less said – you know, yeah, you need a quarterback, but there's other ways to win. So Jacksonville is sort of the poster child on one end, the, the, the ultimate uh, franchise quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. You can't have more of a poster child other than like Peyton Manning. There hasn't been a quarterback in the last you know 20 years who's come out of college with that hype re- and resume. And then you have the Washington where they're going the other way, not by choice, but by default going with the Brian Fitzpatrick thing which we'll get to in a minute but uh, it, it's interesting it'll be interesting to see i mean we've seen the Jacksonville model before but i'm just for, for my purposes how that's going to go versus Washington going with that one
1: yeah i think it's really interesting cuz there's yeah there's kind of two the two basic models right and i think you can you can make a run and win a win a division here and there the way that Washington is doing it right now if you want to compete for division titles every year you kind of got to go the way where you have the rookie quarterback and build around the franchise quarterback um, for sustained success. And, you know, I think a lot of times people want to point to like, well, how many number one overall picks have actually won the Super Bowl? And, you know, there's not that many, right. But when you look at the teams that are consistently making the playoffs and that are consistent, consistently winning division titles, they tend to be the ones who have invested heavily in young quarterbacks through the draft um, and not the ones who kind of keep plug and playing with free agents, but the way that Washington is built right now, they absolutely could make a playoff run. And it's just not a, it's just not a long-term successful proposition. I mean, I live in Denver It covered the Broncos in the post Peyton Manning, you know, during Peyton Manning and the post Peyton Manning era. And that was what they tried to do when Peyton Manning retired was, okay, we'll just plug and play. We've got this great defense and we can, we can continue this where we just need casino you know, competent quarterback play they won the super bowl when they had bad quarterback play and they thought that their defense was good enough. And what they realized pretty quickly is it's, it's nice to have a really good defense, but if your offense is a mess and you can't count on your quarterback week in and week out, then you really don't have that much.
0: Yeah. I mean, people will say like, well, look at Trent Dilfer. I'm like, yeah, he played with arguably the greatest defense of all time. It wasn't like yeah, there's a lot of
1: exceptions. (laughs) That you can pick at, but when you're yeah. like but when you're talking about like long term sustained sustained success, and so that's what I think we have to talk about when you're talking about Washington right now is like okay let's we can look at 2021 in a vacuum and what's possible right now within this division what you can do specifically with Ryan Fitzpatrick, but then what's the long term plan because we all know Ryan Fitzpatrick is not their long term plan. Ryan Fitzpatrick has never been anyone's long term plan unfortunately for ryan fitzpatrick Uh, probably other other than
0: mrs fitzpatrick
1: (laughs) yes obviously and all of their (laughs) children um he is now like the first father of the nfl now that philip rivers is retired or for however long philip rivers stays retired thanks to our friend sam farmer of the la times for (laughs) happening to be in mobile uh in alabama this week to to get the little nugget that philip rivers might come back to the nfl um but yeah i mean that's he's not their long-term plan so are they going to be a good team? Probably they will probably be a pretty good team. So they're not going to be picking in the top five. They're probably not going to be picking in the top 15 of the draft next year. So you start thinking about, okay, well then where do you go after this? Who's available in the free agent market? Do you have to put package together picks to move up if you want to get a, a, a high draft pick next year? And that's all fun stuff for, you know, us and you specifically to get into for 2022, but we can talk about Ryan Fitzpatrick and the 2021 Washington football team now.
0: Sure. Well, I mean, that's the thing with quarterbacks, right? It's it's never it's never a bad time to talk about it because it is so important. I mean, when this Aaron Rodgers drama was going up, everybody here was going, "Oh, wait, easy ad after next year?" Ron Rivera went the cow. Aaron Rodgers went the cow. Clearly, he's coming here, right? So uh, it's it never.
1: Uh, you're you're going to have to fight my my Denver Twitter followers for that one, man. Everybody yeah. just assumes he's coming to Colorado that
0: that that that's what that's what it seems like and, and I do want to ask you about the Broncos um and actually we could go there right right now not not I mean now like uh, we've already I've already had on our, our, our Cowboys beat writer and our Eagles beat writer to preview the season and we'll get to the individual teams going on but taking advantage of Lindsay here knowing the whole league um Denver yeah okay of all the teams on the schedule Denver is not a team That anybody's talking about, but I'm looking at the schedule and like, look, we can't do the whole, uh, you know what? Had it you can't go over, you can't go too crazy down the line because none of us know who's going to be playing quarterback for any team past week five because of injuries or or what have you. But if we look at it just a little bit, Washington's schedule is loaded with really, really good quarterbacks this year. And if you look at the front half of the schedule, like, so I, I don't know if you've looked at it, the last five weeks of the year they play nothing but division games, which is really weird and interesting because I mean, even if you start slow, you have a chance to catch up because you're going head to head with all these teams, but the beginning of the schedule, you don't want to fall behind and it's pretty daunting. Cause you have a lot of quarterbacks and the Denver game. I'm going to argue is, is maybe the most important game of the first like nine, not because Denver is some great team, but it may be, it may be the game that determines whether they come out winning or lo- have a winning or losing record going into the the post tough stretch just to rip this off really quick first two home games chargers giants uh since you're my official afc west correspondent are we buying the chargers this year yeah i'm in but i'm
1: always i'm always on the chargers i'm one of those fools but man i i cannot get enough justin herbert training camp highlights like just what do the kids say? Injected in my veins, like. That shit. But that is like crack. Like I can't get enough. It's gonna having him, Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes in the same division is going to be really fun. But yeah, I'm in on the Chargers until the inevitable heartbreak
0: comes. All right. All right. So you know we'll, we'll see. I mean, Washington could easily win both those two games or at home, and or they could split the next two games on the road at Buffalo. I'm gonna chalk that up as a loss at Atlanta. I think Atlanta should be better this year, but you know who, who knows. Yeah, who so, knows? So yeah. let's just be conservatives and say they come out of that stretch two and two. Here are the next five games: home against the Saints again, no Drew Brees, but the Saints are pretty good, obviously. Then home to the Chiefs, <laughs> at the Packers, at Denver by week, Tom Brady and the Bucks. So in, in a four, I mean that is a ridiculously tough five game stretch, and the quote unquote easiest game. I guess if you want to say the Saints at home, but I don't know, might be the game at Denver. And it's sandwiched in between Mahomes, Rodgers, and Brady. <laughs> so even yeah. if, forget everything else, they could lose the other three easily. And they only get, and they might be at a four game losing streak if they don't get the Denver game. So w- Denver, you know, if I, got, if I have to put a wager down now, is Washington going to win that game?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the, the thing that's so difficult to predict about the Broncos is that, you know, similarly to Washington in that their defense looks like it's going to be really good. The, the personnel, the talent on their defense, the coaching on the defensive side is really, really, really good. And so they're going to have a lot of, probably a lot of close games. And then are you going to have a quarterback who's going to be able to one either win you those games or not lose you those games. And I kind of am, I'm like a Debbie downer, I think in the Denver media market when it comes to all of this stuff, I'm like, I'm the radio guest that like brings everything down. And because I kind of just feel like there's all, it's all about the quarterback competition, Drew versus Teddy and the people who cover the Broncos daily, mostly the radio stations, but the beat writers a little bit too. Like they score every day. Like who, like it's a boxing match. and Like it's rounds and sure. Teddy, you know, it's, it's drew drew four, Teddy three, which is not how the coaches evaluate this. This is, that's not how this works. You know, they're not scoring each day and they're going to add it up in three weeks and say like, Oh, drew had eight better days. So he's going to be the winner. And that's, that's not how they name their starting quarterback. Um, but I'm kind of like, I kind of think both of them aren't that good and it's not really going to matter. So either you're going to have the guy who, you know, might be able to put together some really exciting two minute drives and lead you back and to have some aggressive throws down the field in in drew lock, but he's also probably going to throw some really bad interceptions. So like the ceiling side of the floor is really low, or you're going to have Teddy Bridgewater who's also going to make some mistakes. He hasn't been this like clean, efficient, Um, perfect passer in training camp. He's had some nice days where he hasn't put a lot of balls on the ground, but both quarterbacks, I mean, I wasn't there, but reading Twitter today, both quarterbacks were thrown picks during the red zone drill. Like, you know, it, it, how much does any of this matter? (laughs) Both of the quarterbacks stink. And that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm at with the Broncos right now is that I think they're going to be in a lot of, a lot of games. I think their defense is going to be really fun to watch. They're going to be really well coached. Um, and their offense is just not going to live up to its potential because they don't have the quarterback to do it. And that's a shame because their line is good now. It's been a long time, but they have some really good offensive linemen. Their skill position players are, I don't want to say they're as good as everybody in the NFL, but they're, they're really fun. They've got a lot of really good young talent on offense and you're trotting out drew lock versus Teddy Bridgewater as like the guy who's going to try to determine if this team succeeds or fails so you know when so, yeah sorry go ahead
0: no no I, I love i love jerry judy they have some fun playmakers on offense but it's kind of so the way you're describing it it feels like that spider-man meme where you're pointing at each other both teams have really potentially really excellent yeah. defense and the, the quarterback is it's complete streak, wild card streaky at best yeah total wild card yeah
1: yeah and that's going to be fun um it's going to be an interesting game i'll probably try to go to that one i i look at I kind of always look through the calendar of like, okay, when are some interesting home games? Like what are teams that I want to see and try to pick a couple of weeks that I know I'm going to stay in Denver. And so that's one that I might just mark on my calendar, not just because I want to see our old friend from the athletic uh, Nikki Javala on her, on her, it's her return. It's her big uh, return to Denver. Um, But you know i just i think washington will be kind of interesting and i want to see that defense because i think their defense is going to be really fun um but yeah i just i don't know and the the hard part and this is why i got frustrated like on behalf of people who live in denver around the draft and when george payton didn't take justin fields um, or mac jones but mostly justin fields was that taking patrick Sertan with their first round pick, it makes their defense a lot better. They have so much flexibility in their secondary. Um, you know, Vic Fangio is going to have so much fun working with all those guys. He has so many different pieces to work with. And then you have the pass rushers with Von Miller and Bradley Chubb and their interior of their defensive line is like sneaky good. They're not like big names, but they're really good players. Um, safety, Justin Simmons is one of the best young safeties in the NFL. The problem is, is when you're, playing Patrick Mahomes twice a year you're now playing Justin Herbert twice a year like your defense is going to be better but is it good enough that you're going to split the games with the Chiefs like last year they were further away from the Chiefs in the games against that they played against them than they'd been really at any point in the Patrick Mahomes era and that might help you catch up a little bit but the, if, the, if the quarterback, you don't have that answer there, you're not going to compete in that division. You're not going to be able to compete with the Chiefs. You're not going to be able to compete with the Chargers. Maybe you compete with the Raiders, but I don't think anybody is looking at the Raiders as like this model of like who you want to be. It's kind of a, a race to the bottom of like, who's going to finish last in that division.
0: I remember when I was doing the mock drafts last year, like everybody else, I kind of wanted to just give, give Denver a quarterback. But I did ponder the Patrick Sertain thing because I thought, well, you go that route, you're countering the chiefs with everything that they have, which I get, but you're not necessarily that. That's just hanging on. That's not catching up or, or surpassing, which is what the quarterback would do. And, and they obviously went, I won't say for the lower ceiling play because her team's really good, but that's kind of what they did. And we'll see what happens. Obviously I guess they saw some hope in drew lock and Bridgewater is not terrible, but yeah, it's, that's it, when, when you're doing the check marks in the position, it's not just one for the chiefs. It's like six, and yeah. having an extra cornerback might help some, but you're going to have to get a lot of other um, stuff. Um, as somebody who's, who's been around the league and covers the league, I assume you've interacted with Ryan Fitzpatrick in, in 27 stops along the way. Do you have a Ryan Fitzpatrick yeah. story you'd like so to it's share? It's funny.
1: I was actually trying to think. I was like, when have I crossed paths with him? And I don't think, I mean, I, I know I've covered games that he's played in, but I haven't had a lot of time around him. Um, because like I, when he was with the jets and the bills, um, when I, well, he was definitely with the jets when I was at USA today. And I was mostly like our, the Western kind of reporter for USA today. And so I mm-hmm. largely stayed West. I did a lot of AFC West, NFC West, mostly just because of the, where, where a lot of our other reporters lived on the East coast. Um, so I didn't spend a lot of time in those cities. Um, and then, but so a couple years ago for the athletic when, like the Fitz magic in Tampa stuff really took off. So I guess it was twenty or fairly early in the 2018 season, very shortly after the whole Deshaun, um, Deshaun Jackson, uniform post game attire. Yeah. Yeah, That whole uh, thing. So I, I worked on a Fitz magic story and it was really fun. I talked to a ton of guys that he played with previously, my favorite anecdote in that story, um, was from Eric Wood, who was his longtime center in Buffalo, one of his closest friends. Um, And he said that every year, Fitz gets his offensive lineman Yeti coolers, like the big, you know, the ones that are like $400, those big, beautiful Yeti coolers that I really want but can't afford. Um, But so not only does he get his offensive.
0: Like the one that that the athletic gave us?
1: Yes, except for the like the giant cooler that you take on, your boat, because if you're an offensive lineman, you probably have a boat that you can go fishing. We, as reporters at the Athletic, don't have boats. I don't make that kind of <laughs> don't make that kind of money. Um, but those giant coolers. So, it, so it's, that's a nice gift, right? You know, a nice like dad gift. But so not only does he give them the Yeti coolers, he gives them a Yeti cooler with a picture of himself on the side of it. So like laser cut the whole and full beard like the full, like Ryan Fitzpatrick experience. So when he's played, like he said 27 stocks I and mean, he's played everywhere in the NFL. So think about how many offensive linemen Ryan Fitzpatrick has probably played with over the course of his years. And he gets them this gift basically every year. I mean, I can't confirm that it was every single team he's played with, but it was most, this is pretty typical of him. So think of how many offensive linemen, retired guys, guys who maybe played, you know, practice squad, snap here or there, there are just like hundreds of these Yeti coolers emblazoned with Ryan Fitzpatrick' giant bearded face around the world, going to soccer games on fishing boats. Um, and Eric Woods said that one time, um, somebody came up to him and asked him why he had Zach Brown from the Zach Brown band on his cooler, and he had to say, "Actually, no, sorry, that's that's my buddy Ryan Fitzpatrick." But so I love that because I just think it's like it's it's just such like a he's like one of the dudes, but also has a sense of humor. And uh, I don't know, I want to Yeti cooler with Brian yeah. Fitzpatrick's face on it.
0: I mean, you know, we, you can see like, even when we're out there, uh, the other day when we were in uh, Richmond for the first week of training camp, there was a play where they were doing like a red zone drill. And I don't know the, he, he decided to take off in the pocket. He runs in the end zone. And obviously it's, it's a scrimmage there. It's not even, it's nothing. It's just, he's not going to get hit. It's no big deal, but he runs He runs in, he's going full speed. He keeps going full speed through the end zone. He runs over to the fans like struts in front of the fans and then just like, like spikes the ball. He's just having like so much fun. Um, you can, you can just see it. And obviously that's one of the things that the players recognize and feed off of. He takes it seriously, but he's also keeping it light. And you know, I, I think they, I think that's one of the reasons why he is so popular. Uh, among everybody you know fans players media uh, uh, alike and you know it and he was all you know obviously also the incredible wildness uh and that's that's what makes him so interesting the bar was so low last year with the quarterback play here that him just simply throwing the ball north will be a good thing um on the other hand (laughs) you know who knows he could throw the ball anywhere and then we have you know in any moment in time we see in practice now too sometimes he makes a great throw and other times the ball goes 10 10 yards away from anybody so um it'll be it'll be really fascinating um to to see uh so I'm sort of curious as we're looking at the NFC East uh, one of the questions I asked you was and maybe the answer is Fitzpatrick I don't know because Washington does have a good defense like who is the most important player in the division when it comes to winning the NFC East uh maybe you're including Philly but I'm guessing maybe you're not so uh, there may be a couple obvious candidates and like I said maybe it's Fitzpatrick but I'll pose that to you what would you what would your answer be for that
1: yeah I mean I think it's probably Dak Prescott which I think that's probably an obvious an obvious answer I mean I think there's a lot of conditions and things going on in Dallas you know I think their defense could be still very very bad um but I look I they, they would have, I think the Cowboys would have won that division last year. If Dak Prescott would have played a full season, their defense still was pretty bad, but their offense was kind of on pace to be, they wouldn't have been the best offense in the league, but probably a top five type scoring offense, so much potential explosion there. And, you know, obviously it was completely derailed without Dak Prescott. And I think with him, they're going to be one of the highest scoring teams in the NFL this year. The problem is now is like, we're well, they're two weeks into training camp. The rest of the teams are about one week, and he's not practicing much. He's already, you know, dealing with this um throwing shoulder, strain shoulder issue. So they're kind of already in that like oh crap mode. And I know they're trying to, you know, say that they're just being cautious and you know, know how important this whole season is. So we're not gonna overwork him and risk anything in training camp, but that's scary. You know, that's if if you're if you're the cowboys and if he is limited at all, I think that completely changes the complexion, um, the complexion of that, that team and that race. And, and obviously they have other, you know, I think Amari Cooper is now hurt, but like CD lamb is, you know, have training camp highlights off the charts and sure. their offensive line should be better. But I just, I think he's, you know, he's the guy and we, we already saw how much losing him affects a division race and, sure. you know, they're, they're a completely team different team with him. I don't even know who their backup quarterback is now. It's not Andy Dalton. I mean, it didn't matter last year. They weren't any better with Andy Dalton, but um, so yeah, I think it's probably him. Um, I don't think there's anybody with the giants that I would say is um, that critical. And so, you know, so I was,
0: I was thinking like, if we, if I was originally thinking about, should I just say, we skip the quarterbacks? Cause yeah. what I was, I, I don't know if this is the answer, but like, I, I'm not as, i don't know so i think the giants it feels like when you talk to people about where where they are i think some people don't buy into the you know uh, the, the, the 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 joe judge you know uh, college coachy kind of vibe uh, authoritarian kind of kind of deal but i do wonder like is saquon barkley potentially the answer because if he's any if he can get back to any form that he was in before and daniel jones just sort of doesn't vomit all over himself and does better. They did add more pieces. I know Kenny Galladay maybe got dinged up today in some way, but you know they keep Leonard Marshall. You know I'm not. I mean, look, they were they were right there with Washington last year, and I didn't like all their moves in free agency, but they did seem to get a little bit better. Could is potentially Saquon Barkley the answer if he can take some of the burden off of uh, off of Daniel Jones?
1: Yeah, maybe. I mean, is he he's still on the PUP list? Like we haven't right. even gotten to see him come back to practice yet, and he was you know, what, like a week, week two. Him and Nick Bosa, I believe, were the same week and both of them are still kind of slow, slow to return. I don't think either of them have been cleared to practice yet. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I know he's like an elite, like we, that we shouldn't be, we should exclude him when we're talking about the conversation about running back value uh, because he is that good of a player. Yeah, I'm just not sure if like, I don't know if he solves Daniel Jones's turnover issues. Um, does it help him get rid of the ball faster knowing that you know maybe teams are going to be selling out for the run Um, he's going to have shorter passing options there but like I don't I don't know if just having Saquon Barkley back is going to make Daniel Jones protect the ball any better and until he shows us like week in week out that he's not going to throw a pick and lose a fumble a game I'm, I'm very skeptical about how that's going to go but Giants are interesting because I think their defense should be pretty good they're really well coached there's some pretty good talent there um but i i think they're another team where their offense is probably just going to continue to hold them back i mean they're spending a ton on their offensive line but i don't know if that line is i don't think they're going to be any better than they were last year and they were not great last year
0: um, I, I didn't love, I mean, I problem. get Galday is pretty good. I didn't love that contract, especially when it happened. in free agency. It was like a weekend. Yeah. And then they also get Kadarius Tony, which I get he's interesting, but they already had Sterling Shepard. there, like receivers. I was like, they already had some receivers. Um, I didn't feel like that was like something they had to get. That's kind of why, I mean, and maybe Barkley is never that guy again, but I was, so I was kind of wondering like if he could sniff that they do have other weapons and like all of a sudden they become interesting, by the way, I had to look this up here. are The other quarterbacks on Dallas, Garrett Gilbert Ben okay. DiNucci and um Cooper Rush
1: yep. I mean so it's like the same guys who have been there well
0: they, at they, they, had, they had Andy, and Andy Dalton last year they better well,
1: Ben what is DiNucci <laughs> DiNucci right <He's>, he <laughs> yeah. ended up starting a game for them last year
0: he pl- well, wasn't it
1: a Monday night game
0: he played he played against this team and when when, when I keep telling people Washington stats last year were a bit overrated look at the quarterbacks they ended up facing um I accidentally mentioned I mentioned Denucci the other day, but I called him Denunzio after the character in Caddyshack, <laughs> and uh, and uh, that was a fun. So yeah, they, they, Dak really better not get hurt uh, based on this. Um, do, do, do I put you on the spot. Do you have an NFC East uh, prediction you'd like to make?
1: Yeah, I'd probably pick the Cowboys today. Um,
0: How dare you? Just
1: because of the potential, like the potential for that offense. Um, but that's assuming that Doug Prescott is going to be healthy. So, you know, ask me again in two weeks, if he's still not practicing.
0: Yeah, yeah for <laughs> then, sure. I- then
1: I'll probably switch. I think they're the best offense in the division. I think the Washington football team is the best defense in the division. And, um, no matter how many times I have examples of why you should pick the good defense over the, the good offense, I I always still just give me give me the offensive fireworks. Um,
0: the game is who scores the so most. Yeah, points. I mean
1: it, it's which which is true. I think um Washington has a coaching edge, I would say, um, over the rest of the division. I think Dallas is the quarterback edge. And Washington, I guess, is the defense. So yeah, maybe two out of three. Maybe you'll talk me into Washington. I don't know.
0: I have no idea. People ask, obviously, and I'm like, "Look, I, I, I don't even know what to tell you." I mean, the Ryan Fitzpatrick thing is so random on it on its own, and uh, what well, I, 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 I we'll see.
1: I feel fairly confident that it's not going to be the Eagles.
0: Yes, I'm dismissing the Eagles. Sorry, uh, Philly Sorry people
1: to Jalen Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni, but yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, and so you mentioned the coaching thing and I, I did want to get into this and we can get out on this and take advantage again of your national uh, thinking brain here. So I'm thinking of the coaches, right? So Ron Rivera, I'm not saying he's been Sombardi, but obviously he's what two time NFL coach of the year. He took the Panthers to a Super with the 15 to one record. I know Washington had a losing record last year, but they were on, they were ascending late. And I think everybody is largely optimistic about what's going on. Part of that is because he's now the face of the franchise. <laughs> which was a good thing compared to what was here before um, and all that. And I was looking at the other coaches in the division. I know Mike McCarthy has won a Super Bowl, So I'm not discounting that, but like, I think his reputation is really not good at this point. A lot of people seem to think that's, what's going to hold Dallas back as much as anything. Forget not Jerry Jones, but Mike McCarthy, Uh, Joe judge. We'll see, you know, he had an interesting year year one to say the least and Sirianni, you know, who knows he's a first year coach. We'll see. Uh, Somebody said he's the new Adam Gase, but what do I know? uh what do they know um but so I was thinking about this is the gap between Rivera I guess it depends what you think of McCarthy but again from a reputation standpoint Rivera is pretty high I think and McCarthy not so much is the gap between Rivera and the the next coaches on the list higher than anybody else in the league and I kind of went through this division by division and we can do this to a degree I kind of think it might it might be
1: all right. Let's, let's think about the other divisions. Right. All right.
0: So, 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 so just to stay in the NFC. So in the NFC North, I mean, Matt LaFleur has been really good. He also has Aaron Rodgers, and it's only been two years. So I give him credit, but okay. And then you have Mike Zimmer with Minnesota, totally solid coach. Yeah. I, I wouldn't think like, I'm not looking at that going, well, it's definitively LaFleur by a million miles. So I think that's at least.
1: No, uh, not at all. And there's probably, if you pulled 50 people, it would probably be like 30 to 20. Mike Zimmer's very well respected. It might even be close. It might even be closer than closer than that. I mean, and it's it's hard because they're so different. Their specialties are different. Their personalities are very, very different, but um, yeah, I don't think there's a big gap. There might be a big gap from those two to Dan Campbell. Right. We'll see. Right. I mean, who knows about Dan Campbell, but, um, but yeah, so in terms of the top.
0: So then the NFC South, you have uh, Bruce Arians and Sean Payton alone. I mean, again, if you want to say Sean Payton, fine. But Bruce Arians just won a Super Bowl. Pretty well-respected. Same thing. Some yeah, there's, might no, there's no giant gap there at
1: all. Right. Yeah.
0: And then you get the NFC West. That one's even crazier. You have Pete Carroll, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay. Again, th- there's no, there's no gap there. You're, you're, not put, you're
1: not putting Cliff in that conversation?
0: Ah, I put his house <laughs> in the conversation, but... Uh, there's
1: I think there's a little gap there,
0: yeah. Yeah, a little, little little one there. I think there's um, only
1: one coach in that division who's on the hot seat this year. It's <laughs> right. not the three that you mentioned.
0: Right. So the, the AFC East, now it would be easy to say, well, obviously Belichick is a million miles better than everybody else. Sean
1: McPay, or Sean McDermott, Sean McPayton. Sean McDermott is really good.
0: Yes. I mean, he He's just really took really a good. team, you know, I mean, obviously he and Brandon Bean are doing good things together, but they just was coaching a team, to the AFC Championship game, and a lot of people are picking them to win the Super Bowl. So,
1: and Brian Flores, I think Brian Flores is, is a really good coach, and he has Miami on a really good trajectory.
0: Right. Um, so again, the the Belichick is a whole other thing, but like, yeah. the it, it's more to the point. Those other guys are at a yeah. minimum ascending, and they're pretty high, getting pretty high up. So in an overall scheme, it's it's Belichick versus anybody. It's big, but it's not. I think those guys are moving up the list. Um, AFC North, you have john harbaugh and you have mike tomlin both won a super bowl again yeah to to pick whoever you want uh afc south i don't know this division is kind of whatever mike vrabel i guess is the best coach but we'll see what urban meyer does he obviously has a a great reputation in college but we'll see frank wright uh you know he's he's a maryland guy here so we always want to give him props and we'll see uh I don't know if you think Vrabel's a top five coach and maybe the gap's pretty big, but I'm like, yeah, I, I
1: don't, I think what where that division is, is like, you don't have necessarily one who's a top five coach. You have a right. couple who are in that, that mid tier. So the gap isn't nearly as large.
0: Right. And then, yeah, um, and then David Cully. All right. Well, we'll any of the rookie Cully. coaches, will 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 give them the pass for the moment. And then you get to the AFC West and this is where maybe there's competition for what I'm saying because you have Andy Reed, who obviously at this point is, you know, arguably the, the number one guy in the whole league. And it comes down to, I think, what do you think of John Gruden? I've never been a big fan. I I'm in the camp that he won with Tony Dungy's players. I'm not saying John Gruden is a fraud or anything, but like, I think he's a bit overrated Chucky face Monday night football, whatever, but other people obviously think he's a very good coach. Obviously Mar- uh, Mark Davis is one of those people yeah. based on the money. So this one is the question of like, Gruden won a Super Bowl. Uh, McCarthy won a Super Bowl. I'm discounting McCarthy. I'm kind of discounting Gruden. But the question is, what's the gap there? So where yeah. do you rank on? Is, is the yeah, gap I mean, I probably
1: put them. I I think the gap isn't as big as the NFC East gap. Um, maybe I mean I, but it's probably similar. I think that would be the one division because you know the other and then the other two coaches there are Vic Fangio, who nobody is questioning his defensive coaching credentials at all. A lot of questions about his head coaching and if the Broncos are bad this year, um, he very, he very much could get fired, especially because this team could be going through an ownership change. Um, there's a lot of questions there. So, so, you know, I don't think you would put, put Vic in that top tier of head coaches. I'd throw him in up against any defensive coordinator in the league, but not necessarily in the head coaching. And then Brandon Staley, we don't know new, new head coach. So, um, yeah, I mean, I would say that that gap is is substantial. I mean, I tend to err to side more with you on Gruden. Um, really good offensive mind, interesting dude. Poor <laughs> team builder. Right. I mean, he still has a ton of power there, and the reasons that they've been bad um, or have not been a contending team since he's been back with the Raiders is mostly because of roster construction. It hasn't been because of offensive design and stuff. It's because he can't build a defense they've made some interesting offensive line moves of late um, some questionable skill position acquisitions. So uh, I don't know if we can separate Gruden, the coach versus Gruden, the personnel, the personnel man for these purposes, but that would be the one, but I do think, you know, I'm, I'm not a huge Mike Mike McCarthy fan. I mean, I'm sure he's a nice man. I don't know him very much personally, you know, personally, but you know, I, I kind of turned, on mike mccarthy during the the playoff game against seattle um was the nfc championship game i believe a few years ago when gosh was that 2014 was that how long ago this was when they had time, chance after chance of like you know first and goal and they kicked like three field goals in the first half and i was like nope i'm out i'm just I, that was the game that they lost with the onside kick and all that stuff. But I was like, it all comes I, I to me. I couldn't get over what happened and how conservative he was in kicking field goals early in the game. Um, so the whole like analytic, he spent a year out of football, like changing who he was. And then we saw last year that he like, didn't really change anything. Um, I was kind of, I was kind of frustrated that he was like so clearly like who the Cowboys wanted for that job. It felt like the wrong, to me, it felt like the wrong move. Um, and then I think when we talk about the coaching in that division, we talk about Joe Judge, but I think we also have to throw in Jason Garrett as the offensive coordinator for the Giants because I didn't like it when it happened last year and I don't like it. I still don't like it as the guy who's going to try to like resurrect the Daniel Jones experience um, mm-hmm. and kind of in this really crucial year to try to make it, get him to take this big leap in year three. So I think when you lump the two of those guys together, I, I don't love it.
0: But, I, way, way, I do have like Pat was,
1: Graham as their defensive coordinator,
0: though. There, there you go. By the way, I will just also say, like the thing with McCarthy is, I think the players know who's running that show. It's not him; it's the owner, Jerry Jones, who's obviously incredibly hands-on. I, I mean, I, obviously Washington has an owner, but Ron Rivera is essentially the GM, and the owner currently is got other stuff going on. He's quasi not involved or whatever. I think the players know if you don't if you piss off Ron Rivera, there is nowhere else to turn right now. He he is the guy that you are dealing with so um i think that like i mean it can go both ways but they do seem to respect him and i think that's got to be a a a bonus in his favor
1: yeah i think so i mean there's something to be said about having an adult in charge and um finally washington has one maybe not all the way at the top but they've got they've got one in running football operations at
0: least baby steps um before i let you go before uh, you, you when we were messaging earlier about this you said you needed we had a big we had a big news day at the park at training camp there was there was an yes. unexpected guest huge, huge news <laughs> huge news um and um you know if i don't if i don't discuss it here you know my my, my I, I, ironically enough i was just gonna say my cat wouldn't be interested actually he should be uh because <laughs> there was this bird that has been literally hanging around camp i mean is it the same bird sure we're gonna say it's the same bird every Somebody day needs to
1: tag him like Humanely tag him, give him one of those little like yeah. clips on his wing, just so we can make sure.
0: Put, put like little a little maroon Burgundy and gold, gold dot a on Burgundy, him. So, it, yeah, uh, yeah. This bird has been like, it's not like he's been just like, around, he's like walking the sidelines. Like, it I swear, <laughs> like yesterday that they were doing a two minute drill. uh Each quarterback had a chance to do a two minute offense. They're going from like left to right, and the bird, it's like the bird was like carrying the 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 the, the first down chain almost. Like as the play would move five yards. <laughs> the bird would walk up five yards and he was hanging out. And then today he's back again. He was hanging out on one of the the TV stations there. He was hanging on their camera. He was walking in our media tents and we all, I guess, decided, I guess it was, yeah, we're we're all finally starting to break down after a week of camp. So the aforementioned uh, Nikki Javala, she starts filming the bird walking around and decides to name him Ted. Okay, we're all kind of laughing about that, but of course you put it on social media as she did, and the football team then tweets a picture of the bird and says they've signed Ted to a contract. Fantastic. And, and then before I did this with you, I did a radio hit with a station in Richmond. I'm not kidding, the first question, not about Ryan Fitzpatrick, not about Chase Young. They wanted to know what, what what's going on with Ted the bird. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> What is happening here? Oh
1: that's amazing. Well, um, I think it was before Nikki's time covering the Broncos, but there used to be the way that the Broncos old practice facility was set up um, or it's their current facility. but there used to be these giant pine trees. They had this like hill, and that was where you get to watch you would watch training camp and there were just these giant trees and there's all these hawks that would like live in those trees. And every once in a while those hawks would get real aggressive and like you there was always a chance. That you might get like dive bombed by a raptor right. during training camp, um, which added just like an extra level of, you know, danger, which is always, which is always exciting. So I welcome all animal interactions uh, into football practices, into baseball games, cats on the field, um, puppies, dogs catching frisbees at halftime, monkeys riding dogs at halftime give me give me all of it mutton busting they do what? that in denver they have like yeah, the little right kids riding
0: the sheep the way the cat on the yankees field the other day yeah. There was a praying mantis on the uh, player on the nats cap for seemingly forever uh crazy i made a terrible joke earlier that uh that if i you know, if this was an nba team we were covering somebody would have to go to ted and get his bird rights you know <laughs> uh terrible i know um all right, on, on that terrible note. On that uh, note. <laughs> yeah, on that note. Uh, L- L- Lindsay, you are prolific with what you're doing and, and both talking and, and, and uh, writing and talking you, you, everywhere. Where can people find you uh, over on The Athletic?
1: Yeah, so all my stuff's on The Athletic, Lindsay Jones. You can follow me on Twitter at Jones, And we'll be on The Athletic Football Show podcast at least once a week. Um, Robert Mays and I happened to both be in Miami together on Monday. So we did a in-person podcast from Dolphins Camp um, so that episode is in the athletic football show feed if you want to find that um, I'm in Jacksonville right now going to Tampa so I'm going to be writing about these Florida teams here over the next few days so but my the last the latest piece I wrote was about like observations from Dolphins Camp because they are a really interesting team as they have moved on from Ryan Fitzpatrick and into the to a Tagovailoa.
0: Uh, that'll be another fascinating component in Tampa Bay, obviously on the schedule. So
1: yeah, they're pretty good. Yeah. Those Bucks, I think. I'm very much. Uh, it's going to be interesting to go, and I'm not certainly not the only reporter who's doing this, but going from watching the Jags, who were one in 15 last year, directly to go watch the Bucks, who are coming off the Super Bowl win and have, you know, the best roster in the NFL. So it's kind of going to be jarring to go see them back to back. L- Lindsay, oh there's the cat
0: right Lindsay is getting a look lenny L- lenny makes appearances every episode basically he's 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 on the filing cabinet behind me he's literally watching over my shoulder he heard you sure. talking
1: about birds and <laughs> would like to see if he can find one
0: all right lenny we'll we'll go work on that in a second uh Lindsay, thank you so much for the time good luck in florida stay in your hotel as much as you can and uh we'll, and uh, good luck talking to uh tom brady
1: thanks we'll talk to you later
0: all right. Many thanks to Lindsay Jones for her time. Thanks to everybody here for checking out the podcast. More practice going on this week. Uh, they'll be at FedEx Field on Friday. I will be there for that. We'll, we'll let you know how everything looks out there. I wrote about the turf a few times. Um, we'll get to look at it in 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 real time and see what's going on out there. Um, so anyway, so that's it for now. Ben Standick signing off. Until next time. See ya.